number 17. Exodus chapter number 17. I hope that you have begun reading your Bible through this year. And uh, if you have, you're reading through the passages of uh, Genesis, particularly if you've got the one-year Bible that we are. There's a couple of them left back there, I believe, and they're $16 a piece. Uh, if you want to get into the Bible reading this year, you still can catch up. Uh, but they're about to run out. So, uh, And I tried to get a couple, few more at a couple Bible stores, and they had, a, had them, but they only had the hardback copies. So anyhow, um, uh, if you want one, though, let me know, and we can order you some. Exodus chapter 17, verse number 8, the Bible says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, I'm reading from the NIV version, Choose some of our men to go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur, the men of God, went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up. one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. This amazing story of Moses as the children of Israel were battling against the Amalekites, obviously before they crossed the River Jordan, they learned a powerful lesson, and that is that God would fight for them if Moses would raise his hands. But if Moses put his hands down, they were on their own. And they would prevail whenever Moses' hands were lifted. And as I promised you on Sunday, tonight we're going to break it down and get practical on the practice of personal prayer and talk about practical principles of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this great chance to get into your word. Look at some passages of Scripture Learn some disciplines, Lord God, and study and provoke one another to good works, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done this week and for how we've drawn close to you through the discipline of prayer and fasting. How we can feel a transformation and a change in us individually and us as a church, Lord God. I pray, Lord, for the remainder of this session today and the lesson that we have. And we pray already in advance in faith for this weekend. Pour out your spirit, Lord God. Let people be baptized in Jesus' name, Lord, and let your will and work be done. In the name of Jesus, we give you the glory. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Over the last two weeks, a week and a half at this point, there have been a lot of prayer and fasting. Some of you this week are going on the Daniel fast. That's an excellent thing to do. Uh, I would encourage you, even if you do the Daniel fast before this month is over, take some time to do a regular fast as well, even if it's only for a day or two or three days. Three days is a good length of a fast for someone who is beginning uh, to get tuned up spiritually. It seems like, I, I can't explain it, I can't put it into words, but it seems like when you go for a long period without fasting and your prayer life's been kind of spotty, it's just real hard to be spiritual. It's like a lot of work. It's almost impossible, and it almost feels like you're faking it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But then when you go through a period of fasting, it's, it's as if the flesh, the crust of your flesh is broken. And the real person, the real spirit, that, the, the, the part of you that's sincere and has a heartfelt desire to please God comes to the surface and is more obvious and evident. Amen? And so uh, the words that I have to say to you tonight, uh, I'm going to be focusing exclusively on prayer. But I want you to keep in mind that if you're having trouble getting into the habit of prayer, I would recommend the first thing to do is to go on a fast, to lead into a time of prayer and also into the habit of prayer, uh, because what it does is it prepares you, it prepares your spirit, it gets you in the right frame of mind. And I've heard it said before, and I, I believe it's true from my own experience, that the greatest benefit that I receive from fasting is not when I'm fasting, but after I fast. I don't necessarily experience 
that many noticeable breakthroughs during the fast. Although I do, I don't notice it or recognize it. But it's after the fast when I look back and say, wow, look at the change that the Lord brought about in my life during that time. of Not just fasting, it has to be mixed with prayer. Fasting and prayer and drawing close to the Lord. But this awesome story in Scripture in Exodus just illustrates the power of prayer and the power of people that will prevail and lift up their hands to the Lord. Prayer opens the door for God's supernatural intervention on the battlefield. And uh, we as Christians, whether we like to admit it or not, we're in a battlefield. Amen. It's not a cakewalk living for the Lord. You know, when you decided to give your life to Jesus, the devil didn't say, okay, I quit. I give up. I throw up my hands. I throw in the white towel. Just have your way. But every Christian and every child of God has to fight against three enemies. That enemy is, number one, your flesh, which you've got to live with the rest of your life, and you can't do anything with it, but keep it under subjection. You've got the devil, the enemy of your soul. It's very real, the serpent in Scripture, uh, Lucifer, Beelzebub. And you also have the world or the spirit of this present world that we live in. So you're fighting a battle. You're in a battlefield. And we as the church are engaged in a battle because we know that God wants the world to be saved, and we want the world to be saved as well. Amen? We want the church to grow, not so our numbers will look good and people will be impressed, but we want the church to grow because God loves people, and there's a lot of lost people that need to experience salvation the New Testament way. Amen? And it's a battle. The devil's not going to just give that one up as well. People will come to church, feel the power and the presence of God, weep under the power of God, and you think, that's a new saint. But then you don't see them for a while because the devil will fight them. Amen? So this battlefield that we're engaged in, we can either try to win the battle on our own or we can let God bring about supernatural intervention in the battlefield. The only way that that can happen, we learn in this story, is as long as the hands were uplifted, as long as there was a spirit of prevailing prayer, so to speak, there was victory on the battlefield. But when the hands came down, When the hands that were uplifted to God came down and it became just their battle, they started losing. Amen? And if you try to fight the devil on your own, you're going to lose the battle. Let me just say that again. If you try to fight the devil without the power of prayer, you're probably going to lose. There's a great chance you're going to lose. Like the old gospel preacher used to say, if you don't pray, you won't stay. And if you don't fast, you won't last. Amen? God's prevailing power is released through prayer and uh, through prayer you can experience God's prevailing power overcoming power in your home you can experience God's overcoming power in your relationships you can receive God's overcoming power on the workplace in the marketplace in school in church God can bless you with wisdom through the power of prayer. God can give you confidence, prevailing confidence through the power of prayer. Some people's confidence goes up and down based on their prayer life. Uh, He can give you perseverance. He can change your attitude toward a family member. He can uh, change the circumstances around you. And you can see miracles in your life through the power of prayer. How many believe that prayer makes a difference? Man, on Sunday we emphasized the... uh, Uh, The fact that prayer makes a difference, and prayer is what gives us the power to access uh, heaven's resources, and prayer is to a Christian as capital is to a businessman. And if you're not praying, you don't have anything to bargain with and to do business with. But uh, as a businessman, you can go forward and take your plans forward if you've got money in the bank. And the same is true in the kingdom of God. God's given us a vision, given us plans, but we can't go forward without prayer in, in, in the storehouse. Amen? Praise the Lord. And prayer is what kept the power flowing for Moses and the children of Israel. As long as the hands were uplifted, God's anointing was flowing and God's provision was there. But when the hand went down, the flow stopped. Whenever they said, I can handle it on my own, God says, okay, handle it on your own. But when they lifted up their hands, uh, when Moses lifted up his hands and had them supported, then uh, God said, I'll fight for you. Isn't it amazing in our own lives how quickly we forget this principle? We see through the power of prayer that God's working in our behalf, that we're not as stressed, we've got peace in our life, that the Lord's opening doors, that great things are happening when we're connected to God and praying. But somewhere along the way, we cross that line to where 
prayer becomes either one of two things happen. Prayer just becomes becomes functional and perfunctory, and we do it out of obligation until we start skipping and missing, or we don't pray at all. We just forget about prayer and uh, lean on ourselves, and and uh, we, we don't intentionally think in our mind, "Well, I'm doing this on my own. I'm just going to trust myself." We still think we're trusting God, but we're not because we're not praying. In essence, we think we can come to church and do our uh, Pentecostal deal, uh, do our little jig and uh, give our little praise, giving the offering and so forth. And all of this is important. But the reality is if we want to be connected, we've got to have our hands uplifted. If we want to stay connected to the resources of God's power, we've got to keep our hands up. And then it's not very long until we're stressed and we're wore out and we're struggling and the answers aren't coming and we're fighting the same battle over and over again, stumbling into the same trap over and over again. And we're like, God, what are you doing? God, why aren't you there for me? And he's like, why aren't you there for me? Man, I've got all the resources you need and all the power you need. But as long as you keep your hands uplifted, as long as you keep that connection to God alive, that connection to his power and that awareness and that sense of your need of God's presence and power. Amen? I've been serving God for a while. I know a lot of Bible. I know a lot of the Scripture. But the reality is I need Jesus every day. And I could fall into the trap of leaning on my own willpower, my own strength, or my own lineage, or my own understanding of Scripture, and not stay disciplined in the uh, discipline of prayer. Hey, guess what? It happens to all of us. And all of us need to be reminded and awakened and be placed back on the right track again. That's what we're doing during this time is getting back focused in the discipline of prayer. And prayerlessness cuts us off from God's prevailing power. Why do I just seem to be spinning my wheels? Why can't I seem to go forward? Why does this thing seem to, rather than coming together, it keeps falling apart? Uh, Why is it becoming more stressful in the home? Prayerlessness has cut you off from God's prevailing power. Somewhere along the way, Moses made the connection between prayer and God's power, between hands uplifted to heaven in, in a sign of prayer and God's work being done among the people. He made the connection. Put my hands down. The battle turns. Lift my hands back up. The battle turns in our direction. Put them down. I'm starting to figure out something here. I'm starting to see a trend here. Some of us, were so obtuse. We live our whole lives and never realize. We go through seasons of ups and downs and wonder why we never get ahead. The reality is, as long as we keep our hands up, we move forward. Until, as uh, Brother Chris said, until the victory's won. The arrows have struck the ground enough until there's complete victory. And then we keep our hands uplifted because we know there's another battle coming. But some people are embroiled in the same battle their whole life because they never learned the principle that Moses finally figured out as he stood up on the hillside and noticed that the tide turned every time he put his hands down. In our own experience, in our own life, uh, we're going to learn. I'm going to learn if it has to be the hard way that the church moves forward when my hands are uplifted. The church moves forward when your hands are uplifted as a body of believers. We can do everything we can and plan and work hard and and stress and all that, but the church is not going to move forward. The tide is going to turn against the church in the favor of the enemy if our hands are not uplifted. Moses realized the connection, and I'm praying that we at Life Church understand the connection between prayer and God's power. Finally, Moses became tired and had to receive support from people to keep the power flowing. And this is important for us to understand as a church that it's not the pastor's responsibility to do all the praying. And it's not just a select few people that just so happen to be, uh, you know, personally predisposed to be good prayers. You know what? We're all human beings. Come on now. We're all human beings. We all have flesh. We all have appetites for the things of this world. I don't know about you, but I like T-bone steaks. And some of you on Daniel Fast, they don't talk about that, Brother Brown. I'm not eating any meat right now. Right? That's where I am. But uh, we, we have appetites and things that we have to deal with. And the flesh is, is something that we have to contend with. And there aren't just people who happen to be, they, someone may meet Francisco and say, well, he's just, God made him a prayer. No, we're all human beings. We all have struggles with the flesh. But what happens is people who discipline themselves to learn how to pray, it seems like they develop an appetite for prayer. 
How many have been in a position that I was in just a few weeks ago where you know you need to pray, you can feel it, you can feel it in your bones, you can feel it in your actions, you can feel it in your attitude, you can feel it in your outlook on life, you need to pray. My Lord, you, you would rather go get a tooth pulled than take time and discipline yourself to kneel down and pray. Anybody ever been there before? Amen. Well, let me tell you what happened this last week. We spent this seven days in prayer and fasting every night here at the church, seven to nine, and then fasting during the, the week. We had a, what a wonderful service on Sunday. Then Monday, my wife and I, I uh, took her out for her birthday, and around six o'clock we were in a store, and I love stores that have men's clothing. And this store just happened to have a great sale going on. 70 and 80 percent off and i love great sales 70 and 80 percent off usually as i hit the second 80 percent off rack my heartbeat has reached the point where i'm kind of hyperventilating but guess what monday night about 6 30 and all of a sudden all that was going through my mind i gotta find a place to pray i want to pray i'm so hungry to pray i want to find a place to pray and finally i told my wife, i just got to go out to the car i've got to get away from here i've got to pray you know what because when you begin to get into the mindset, into the pattern of prayer, it becomes an appetite. It becomes something that you desire and you seek after. All of us have been there before in that pattern in our life, and we've seen it. And that's what we want God to help us to do so that we can be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? Sensitive to the Spirit of God. How many want that sensitivity? That it can be three in the afternoon and God needs you to kneel on your knees and pray. Hallelujah. That's not going to happen if you're prayerless. God's not going to be able to break through all that flesh and get the message through to you. But here's the awesome thing is that God answers prayer. And God is inviting Life Church to be a praying church, for us to be prayer warriors. And miracles are going to begin to happen as we begin to pray. Amen? I'm telling you that miracles are going to to begin to happen at Life Church. Amen. They're going to happen at Life Church. As we begin to pray, I want my wife to come give a testimony. She's got a testimony in her heart right now. Good morning, everyone. Um, you all know what I've gone through the last year with Brooklyn. And pardon me if I cry because this is so close to my heart. But, you know, um, maybe some of you don't know, she's struggled so much. And when you see your child struggle with sickness and there's nothing you can do, it's really, really frustrating. And to not go into detail, she's just had eczema, very bad skin disorder. We've tried everything. We've taken her to doctor after doctor. They can't treat eczema. They don't know what causes it. It's just they give you steroids for it and... It's fine while you're on steroids, and then as soon as you quit, it comes back even worse. And night after night, poor baby, we rub her down with everything imaginable, coconut oils and shea butters and blah, 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 on and on and on. And there's been nights she's been so bad, she just screams and screams and screams and tears our hearts out. We just, there's been nights we've both been just tears coming down our eyes. There's nothing you can do for her. That's a miserable feeling. Anyway, we've prayed for her. We've prayed, we've prayed, we've prayed, and we've prayed, and we've prayed. People everywhere have prayed for that child. My faith has been under attack, and I've said, God, if you never heal this child, I'll st- you're, I still believe you're the healer, but I do not know why you have not healed this child because we've prayed and we fasted. Anyway, while we've been praying and fasting as a church, I spoke to the ladies last Wednesday night, and I said, last Wednesday night, Brooklyn's skin was terrible, bleeding and it seems like it seemed like it was a spiritual attack every time that we would fast and pray for her skin got worse. And I told the ladies last Wednesday night, sometimes you just want to quit praying, but I'm stubborn. And I was telling them, you've got to get a hold of some things in prayer, not let go. And there's some things I want to see this year. And Brooklyn was one of the things I wanted to see her healed. And so um, Wednesday, that was last Wednesday night. My husband and I were fasting last week. I only went three days. I could barely get out of bed after three days. I'll just be honest with y'all. 
um, <clears throat> my husband, he went seven. He has a little more meat on his bones, a little easier for him. But <clears throat> this fast was the hardest for us. That Both of us were very sick. The devil fought us. And I'm sure some of you can say the same thing. My husband's done seven-day fast before. He's never been sick like this. I was extremely sick. And the devil was just really fighting us. Well, during this time, Brooklyn's skin was bad, of course, and she was one of our main things besides praying for the church and all of that. She was one of our main prayer requests. And so that was last Wednesday night. My husband's fast was supposed to be over Sunday. And then Saturday morning, I woke up and got Brooklyn out of her bed. And her skin looked beautiful. I've never seen her skin like this before. And I just, you know, how hope springs up in your heart. And I just thought, you know what, God? I mean, even on her best days, she always has patches and she just looks bad. And her skin was like a newborn baby. And I thought, Jesus, you know, have you healed her? You know, and I told my husband and. Sunday, she did great. Monday, I've been giving her stuff I would never give her. She's allergic to dairy, wheat, eggs, oats. I don't know. You name it. She can't have it. And you know how that stuff's in everything. And so just the last few days, I've been giving her stuff and saying, in Jesus' name, you know. And her skin is still beautiful today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And I just claim it in Jesus' name. I claim it. I refuse to let the devil take it from me. I claim it. And Saturday morning, I've had her on supplements. And y'all may think I'm weird, but I don't care. (laughs) I've had her on supplements, and she has to take these supplements like two and three times a day. And they help. That's the only thing that really helps her. And Saturday morning, I woke up, and I went in there to put – I have to crush them in a little – like those little mortar pastel things. It's the only way she'll take him. And that thing was gone. I could not find I mean, I've used that thing faithfully for a year. It's always right there. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm not going to give her supplements because I felt like God was saying, I'm going to get the glory for this one. Nothing else is. And I give him all the, I give him all the praise. I've been thanking him all week in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, you start seeing some answers to prayer, you're going to see some motivated prayers in Life Church. Amen. People that are willing to give glory to God. Sister Claudia is a brand new uh, saint here at Life Church, and she's excited about what God's doing in her life. And you know what? Just received the Holy Spirit just a few weeks ago, but God's just begun to answer prayers right and left in her life, and she's got such a excitement about that that god answers prayer just tell us a little bit about god's ability to answer prayer good afternoon oh wow um i'm nervous um my name is Nadia. me and my family we've been coming to life church um friday to Monday. and thank you sister jackie well and um, it's true. Um, right. Um, thank you to Teacher Jackie. I I have received the Holy Spirit on me. <laughs> I also, um, I was going through personal problems, too, my family, and um, I told Teacher Jackie about it. She was the only one who knew it, and um, thank you to prayers. Um, I have peace in my house. Yes. Also for my sister. I have my family in Arizona, and I told her she's going through financial problems, same as us. And um, I told her I had a dream that she will find a job. And 
just last week, praying and everything, my sister found a job. Yeah. And I'm also praying for my husband. And he's looking for a job, too. And when I said, um, now everybody's calling, trying to interview him. It's like, praise. It's like the book is open now. All of, and I'm very thankful also to, um, Sister Leticia. She's taking her time and teaching me the Bible. I have never opened a Bible in my whole life. And I'm, and when I told Sister Jackie about it, she knew that I was hungry for God. And I, I totally said, yes, I am. And thanks to her, too. I've been blessed. Things that I never thought would happen to me. And also, um, Pastor Brown says that um, there's going to be two belt ties on Sunday. It's going to be me and my and my daughter. <laughs> and I'm so excited for this, what's happening in my life. My daughter is, she's happy. She knows what she's going to do because I'm telling her, Mama, I'm not true. You want to do it? Yes, I feel it. And I'm, I was getting prepared for this because I know that's a big step. And I told Jackie yeah, that it's a big step for me. I don't know. But I'm on Sunday, I had a feeling that I was getting prepared for it. And then Monday, Something happened to me on Monday. I go to Sister Leticia's house. Teach me one-on-one Bible study. I'm learning like a little kid. Because what I learned, I never, I never knew it. I'm seeing it so precious for me, what I'm learning from her. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. But that night, she was teaching me something special. For me, it was so special. Something happened in her house, actually. And I was just proud when after we finished, like, the reading we were doing, I felt it that God was calling me. I was so drowsy in her house, so, so drowsy, that I, I fell on floor and after that I woke up and I was yes yes I will do it I will do it I will do it he's calling me he wants me to get that pie (laughs) I said and I said to him yes I will do it I will do it thank you Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's thank God for what He's doing. Praise the Lord. He's doing a complete work. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful that God answers prayer. Hallelujah. And we as new believers, remember, Jen, all the prayers that we saw answered in our small group and the things that God began to do for us. Praise the Lord. God's still a prayer answering God. Amen. And as you uh, get into and develop the habit of personal prayer, as we all do as a church together, you're not going to believe the changes that are going to occur in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your career, in your health, in your ministry, and your witnessing to lost people. Changes are going to begin to happen. God is inviting you and me, as well as Life Church, to a lifestyle of prayer. Lifestyle of prayer. Here's the point. Our spirits are like our physical bodies in that they both have requirements for health and growth. 
um, my physical body, if I never exercise and always eat a high-calorie diet, uh, pizzas and uh, cheeseburgers, sodas, sugary sodas, I'm not going to stay in shape. Can, can everybody agree with me there? It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to stay in good physical shape. But my body has requirements to be healthy. And uh, uh, as children, for good health and growth, there are certain requirements of sunshine, exercise, and so forth. Probably there are people that could better explain that than me. But our spirits are similar to that in that we cannot expect to grow spiritually without doing something intentionally to make it happen. We can't expect to be healthy spiritually, to be victorious spiritually without being intentional. And some of us are guilty. You know what happens if somebody uh, never exercises and eats very unhealthy their whole life, especially if they've got genetic predisposition for certain illnesses, their life's going to be short. And their life's not going to be as enjoyable. It's going to be cursed with a lot of sickness and problems and issues. The same is true with people spiritually. Some people don't want to pay the price of developing good spiritual habits, and they end up paying a much higher price of spiritual disease and death and unanswered prayer and unfulfilled potential because they don't want to deny themselves and they don't want to discipline themselves. The same is true with our physical body. We don't deny ourselves. I mean, if I just eat anything I want, you guys would hate to see me in a year. If I just ate whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Because I have a big appetite and I come by it naturally. And I grew up being encouraged to eat everything in sight. And uh, my family, you look at my, on my mom's side particularly, they're big people. They like to eat. But if I just eat everything I want, and if I don't dis- force myself to exercise, then I'm not going to not going to be very healthy, not going to look good, not going to feel good, not going to have good energy. The same is true spiritually. If I do not deny myself and discipline myself spiritually, it's going to lead to spiritual disease, death, unfulfilled potential, low self-worth, low sense of well-being spiritually. And so we're talking about the habit of personal and daily prayer. I'm thankful for powerful prayer times where we get together and shake and shake the uh, um, the rafters of, of the church and cry out to God and uh, get a hold of God. And I know that there's great power in united prayer. But I've come to talk to us tonight. Uh, we're talking about the habit of personal and daily prayer. Now, as we talk about this specifically, there's two warnings because there's two extremes when somebody teaches this way. There are some people who are the kind who make lists and are very disciplined and detail-oriented, and they're uh, very rigorous people. And when they hear a message like this or a lesson from the Word of God, they may be moved, but they're already perhaps practicing rigorous spiritual disciplines. And uh, so the question may be that you don't need to add a new discipline to your list of spiritual duties. You maybe don't need more habits. Maybe you need more effective habits. So one one danger is for somebody to... uh, 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 just uh, pile more on themselves as far as requirements and expectations if they have that type of personality. And spiritual discipline turns into a straitjacket experience that's uh, filled with requirements. And in the process, it squeezes the vitality and the spontaneity and the adventure out of your faith and out of your life. And that's not what we want when we talk about a personal prayer life. Amen? Because what happens is that religion becomes a heavy burden. Or, or a person can become very self-righteous because I pray this many hours a day. I've, I have added this much onto my life in terms of spiritual discipline. So there are some people that uh, we don't want to go to that extreme, but more of us probably fall into the second category of those who uh, have the impression that I don't really need any structure or habits, habits to make my heart grow or to grow spiritually. I'll just go with the flow and play it by ear. And when I feel like praying, I'll pray. When I feel urged to get close to God, I'll get close to God. Because uh, this spiritual thing, we don't want to make it a legalistic thing. We just want to kind of follow what the Holy Spirit is doing. But uh, in reality, this mindset is naive and even self-deceiving. Right, right, right. Come on now. You know that it's true that if you think this way, 
you're probably never going to grow spiritually. Young people, if you're just expecting, uh, wait until you're in the mood to pray, to pray, and wait until the preacher gets on you to pray, to pray, and wait until your neighbor or your, your buddy at school is praying or your buddy in the youth group is praying to pray, then your prayer life is going to be very spotty. So the point is we cannot grow without structure or intentionality about our spiritual life any more than we could lower our body fat or develop good muscle tone by sitting back and waiting to get motivated for it to happen. You know, it's going to happen. I just believe it's going to happen. In the meantime, my waistline's expanding. It's just going to happen. I know it's going to happen. In the meantime, I'm losing muscle mass and muscle tone. It doesn't happen. It happens because you set goals and you discipline yourself. Amen? Anybody ever accidentally got out of debt before? Oh, honey, check it out. We're out of debt. Can you believe that? Well, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody I know that's gotten out of debt got out of debt because they made goals and they disciplined themselves. Everybody who's become physically fit did it because they set goals and they disciplined themselves. Even people who are professional athletes who have the greatest genetic propensity toward exercise and physical activity, they still have to have trainers, personal trainers, training program during the summer where they get in, uh, get in shape because it doesn't happen automatically. And the same is true spiritually. We're naive to think we're going to stay spiritually fit and we're going to become everything God wants us to be just by, well, I go to church and I... And uh, we got a good church, and we got good music, and we got a good move of the Spirit. And I'm coming, ooh, I can feel it up and down my spine. I know I'm right with God. I know I'm growing spiritually. It's not happening. Amen? If a goal is important to you, and being what God wants you to be, being more like Jesus, being in tune with God, be, having power, can you imagine if we had a church full of people? that were striving every single day. It was their top priority to be more like Jesus. Can you believe what kind of a church that we'd have? Can you imagine? I'm talking about people that would be laying hands on sick people in the workplace. People that would be witnessing to everyone around about the good news of Jesus Christ. People whose life would be a testimony to the whole world. You talk about a church that you couldn't build enough buildings to house it all. If everybody was striving and made it their top priority every day. Now, I'm going to make some money today. I'm going to spend some time with my kids and my family and my wife. And uh, we're going to have a great time. But my number one priority today is I'm doing everything that I can to be more like Jesus Christ. You talk about a, 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 a group of people that can literally turn the world upside down. So if a goal is important to you, you must discipline yourself to achieve it. I don't become like Jesus just because that's a lofty goal in the back of my mind. You must decide in advance, and I must decide in advance, that practicing to meet the goal is non-negotiable. This is real important. Someone is training to run a marathon. Um, anybody in here ran a marathon? Brother Steele, I know you're planning to. I don't know if you have yet, but to, to run a marathon or run long distances. Uh, if you're training for this, to do it competitively, this mindset will not work. I want, to, I want to run a marathon. It's in the month of July. And I want to come in in the top ten. So here's what I'm going to do. Every morning that I wake up and I feel like jogging, I'm going to go out and jog. That, does that sound reasonable? Every time I get up and I feel like jogging, I'm going to jog. How many mornings out of the week are you going to feel like jogging? Point six. Point four, maybe two or three. Reality is every morning it's something. My knee's hurting today. Oh, man, I got to bed a little bit too late last night. I, Oh, man, I, I, uh, uh, I, I got to take care of this and that. See, it only, it, it only happens when it becomes a goal that is so important that that, that discipline becomes non-negotiable. Well, I don't feel like it today. Well, I'm doing it anyway because I've got a goal here. Well, I've got some priorities here that are pressing. It doesn't matter. This is, this is critical. This is important. Somebody who's training for a fight, a boxer training for a fight, an Olympic athlete training for an Olympic competition. When they set this goal, it has to create disciplines that are non-negotiable. And if you're serious about learning to pray, you have to make a decision. The decision is, 
I will learn what disciplines are necessary to my prayer life, and I will practice these disciplines regularly and without fail. And maintaining good prayer habits is non-negotiable. Amen. So I'm preaching to all of us, including myself, because I'm tired of living below my potential. I'm tired of Life Church living below its potential. I'm tired of having worship services that are below their potential. I'm tired of people coming into Life Church with needs and leaving with the same needs. Come on now. So it has to become something that becomes so critical and so important that we say, I'm going to practice this discipline, not when I feel like it, not when I get the urge, not when I feel like, wake up and, boy, I feel very spiritual today. I, I just, whoo, I feel spiritual today, and so I think I'm going to pray all day long. That's what some people do. They binge. They binge, and then they go uh, during a period of, it's like feast or famine spiritually for them, and their spirit man's like been two weeks, and it's like, <coughs> and then all of a sudden it's like a bum rush. Okay, let's pray for three hours now. Nobody's laughing because it hurts a little bit. I think it's hitting home to all of us. If we're serious about learning to pray, we have to make a decision to make these disciplines a part of our life. No discipline will in itself create a relationship between me and God. I can't say, okay, I'm going to spend 30 minutes every day in a posture of prayer, and then I'm going to have a relationship with God. But the flip side of the equation is, I realize that I will never develop a rich, rewarding prayer life if I don't do it without discipline. If I, or if I try to do it without discipline. It requires discipline. So the point is, discipline won't guarantee a, a rich relationship with God. I've also got to do it the right way. I've got to put my heart in it. But without discipline, I will never be able to accomplish the kind of prayer life that God wants me to have. So there's that old dirty word again, that old nasty word, discipline. Amen? Hallelujah. So if we want to know how to pray, specifically when we take our time every day to pray, we'll ask an expert. And the expert is, of course, Jesus Christ. Matthew 6 and 5 says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father which our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive also, uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some quick points from what Jesus said here. Jesus said, verse five: When you pray, when you pray, everybody say when you pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray. The first point is: is we need to pray. Regularly, everybody say regularly. And uh, if you want to develop in any area, you must practice regularly. This is one thing I've learned about the game of golf. I love the game of golf, but I never can seem to get very good at it. And I ask people, "What's my problem? What's my problem?" They said, "You just you don't play it consistently enough. You can't get good at golf without playing it consistently." The same is true with the piano or whatever it is that you're wanting to accomplish. You've got to practice regularly. And without regularity, prayer will never become a habit. It will become a pastime or something we do occasionally. But without regularity, prayer will never become a habit. The next point, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners to be heard of men. I tell you the truth, they receive the reward. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. So the next point is to pray privately. There's something about when you get into a private place to pray that you can be earnest with God, you can be open with Him, you can talk to Him. And uh, then the next point that, that Jesus made is to pray sincerely. He says, do not Keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And uh, don't be like them, but pray. And then he gave the manner in which to pray. 
He said, pray specifically, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, so on and so forth. So some specific points to get uh, uh, down more specifically. Of course, pray regularly. But secondly, when, you, when, it, when it's about praying privately, it's important to get away from distractions. Because it's difficult to pray uh, when you're distracted. And I think it's important to get a regular prayer time and a regular prayer place, location, establish. A place where you can get some privacy because privacy minimizes distraction. We know the issue of not praying so that people can say, wow, look at that person. He's really a, a godly, pious person. It's about really having a sincere relationship with God. But, but secondly, by going to a private place, it minimizes distraction. Anybody like me that uh, any, any, any little thing can get you, you distracted or your attention away, even the, the clicking of the, to, uh, the clock, and all of a sudden you're patting your feet and grooving a little bit and you're trying to pray there. But it, as quiet of a place that you can get, find a place and identify this quiet place and begin to use it regularly because when you have your place and you use it regularly, it becomes a holy place. You're like, why? Well, because that's where God meets with you and you meet with God and it becomes special after a little while. You know, because you're like, hey, that's my place where I hear from God and I promise you will hear from God. You learn how to be sensitive to the voice of God. You learn how to bring your issues to God and open it up to Him and talk to Him for real and, and hear from Him and it becomes a special. It may be a laundry room. It may be in the basement. It may literally be a closet. But it's a special place where you commune with God and you get connected with God. So I want you to think right now, because we're, we're talking about doing this practically. We're not talking about ethereal principles. We're talking about putting this in practice in our life. Some people live in a small house with a lot of kids, and it's hard to find a place. But find a place and think of a place where you can make it and... Uh, some men use the corner of their office, and they'll put a couple things there to remind them of God's provision and God's blessing. Maybe a picture. Or one man I heard of has a staff there that he lifts up when he begins to make requests of the Lord. Something like that in your house where it becomes a special and a sacred place because that's where you and God meet. Let it be a special atmosphere, just like a... Um, you know, when you were dating, there may have been a special restaurant that you and your wife, you and your girlfriend uh, liked to go to, and the atmosphere was really cool, and you liked that place, and uh, uh, you looked forward to going there. And the same is true in in our relationship with God. In a prayer place, is something you, you, you like get to, get hungry for going back to that place. Man, I'd love to go back there. Just like my wife and I, whenever we pass an Olive Garden, we're like, "Hey, wouldn't it be nice to go?" Like, "Yeah, we got all these kids now, though." And uh, if you want to learn to pray, if you're serious about learning to pray, let's quit talking about it. Let's quit, you know, just uh, hearing about it. And let's find ourselves a quiet place free from distraction. Let's make this our prayer spot. Anybody with me? Can we do this? The next point is to, when you pray, mean what you say rather than just talking. Okay? That's what the Bible says. Some people, you know, just kind of babble on like the pagans. That's apparently there were some false religions that they would just like think by so many words that they said that they would be heard more. And sometimes I think we're, we fall in that same category. Have you ever been praying and stopped to listen to yourself? So what are we talking about? What does that mean? <laughs> What is that? Anybody ever done this before? You sit down at McDonald's with a quarter pounder and French fries, big, super biggy Pepsi, and you say, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our body. <laughs> That's like, you know, God doesn't work that way, by the way. That's like uh, the, the eighth grader that comes home from school after the geography test and says, Lord, please, please help me. Please help Salt Lake City be the capital of Nevada. Please, Lord. It's not going to happen. It's not going to retrofix it. But don't fall into the habit of using meaningless repetition when you pray. And also, this is real important. Mean what you say and let it come from your heart. 
which means don't use like sanctified jargon, which means don't pray like the pastor prayed in church. You know what I mean? Like, dear Heavenly Father, use like a lot of art, thou, seekest. And, and uh, you know, the best way to pray is to talk to God like it was Jesus Christ sitting and he was the best friend. Okay? Why? Because it's real. It's real. I, I told this before. I went to a, a, a Southern Baptist school, and before each class, they would have different one of the students pray in my uh, um, uh, secondary education, or not secondary, in my undergrad at Union University. And uh, they would ask the different students to pray, and one of the students they asked him to pray. And, and, you know, all the students would just try to do their very best, you know, have a nicely polished prayer. Dear Father, we thank you today. We just just want to tell you, great to be here. Uh, there was one guy sat two or three seats in front of me, and they asked him to pray, and he, he did his prayer, and so he finished, said Amen, and then they went on with class. He turned, oh, I bombed that prayer. <laughs> what do you mean? Is <laughs> it like a performance or something? <laughs> that, sometimes that's the way we we do with our prayers, that it's like some oration or something, like it's a handle which I see before me. The handle, come and let me clutch thee, I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not fatal vision, palpable division as to sight, or art thou but a dagger of the mind, a false creation proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain, like uh, from Shakespeare or something? You know, it's just got to be from your heart like you're talking to somebody. That's what prayer needs to be. And, and uh, I, I've found the most powerful prayers that I've ever had, the most life-changing prayer that I've ever had is where I'm like, God, i got some. What I'm struggling with this, I don't understand what's happening. I keep making this mistake over and over. Please help me. I know that what I'm doing is hurtful to you. I know that it that it makes that it, that it's not pleasing. And uh, and you get honest with God, and boom, He's there in a minute. Right? Be thou hallelujah! Oh, praise God! There's a great no 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 whatever. And God's like. And I'll tune in. So mean what you say. Make your prayer time mean. And that's why it's important to be private. Sometimes you've got to be real open for all. And, and uh, I remember I had a, a man that taught at a Bible school here to, to preach some time ago. Brother Sleeva, you may remember Sunday night quite a while ago. But one thing that I learned from Brother Sleeva is he was one guy that had a relationship with Jesus Christ and had a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was very interested in the way he prayed because he was not the least bit uh, um, articulate, articulate or an orator when he prayed. Like, Jesus, you know, we're just kind of trying to do our best here to draw close to you. And we would like almost kind of laugh and make fun. But then I got to think this guy has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is how he talks to the Lord. And he has a connection with God. And so, mean what you say. And uh, pray from your heart. Talk to him. Open up. Reveal your frustrations. Your requests. Your questions. Talk to him. And be honest. And then finally, uh, when, you, when you've been praying, reflect on your time with God. Rather than just... Reflect on your time with God. If we approach prayer thoughtlessly, out of routine, we can't expect powerful results. Sometimes you've got to stop and go over what's been happening. What's God dealing with me about? What's God saying to me? You know, the, the great football team and the great teams and the great coaches go back and look at game film. We've got to go back and evaluate what, what we do, what, what's going on. And uh, if, if we don't grow spiritually, if we're not growing and becoming more like Jesus, it's because we don't make a habit of evaluating our lives. We're just kind of so quickly living our lives and going through the routine of life that we don't stop for a minute and say, okay, I need to evaluate for a little bit. And we may be moving fast and we're always on the go, but we never look deep inside. That's what God's calling us to do. See, that's what's happening here this month. We're getting geared up for God's power. See? It's it's always like this. It's like 
to me, and this always happens, we need prayer. I need to pray. The church needs prayer. We need to get to praying because God's going to move some mountains. We're going to see some miracles. Good things are going to happen. And then I get to praying, and I realize, yeah, I did need to pray, but the reason I need to pray is God needed to do something to me. I was way off base. I needed to get back on, on track. I need to get back tuned up. And then once I get tuned up, I realize God is going to do the miracles, but he's going to do it through a tuned up vessel, amen, through somebody that's ready for God to use them, him and her now. But that doesn't happen if our prayer is not introspective and we don't take time to evaluate, amen. And what happens is if we're moving fast and always on the goal but never looking on the inside, we end up committing the same stupid sins over and over and over again, piling on our back until the load of guilt is impossible to carry. Impossible to carry. We've got to honestly assess our soul's condition. Where am I spiritually? Where is my soul? How am I doing? A good way to do that, a practical way to do this, if you're interested in in being practical, is to have a prayer journal. Some people have done this before. And uh, just something where you can write down what you've been praying about, what you've been asking God to give you victory over, and what you've been praying for God to answer. Because when you write out your prayers and read it back to God, you become more focused and it's easier to concentrate because when you're, when you're writing it down, you've got to concentrate. And then you can look back over the journal and see the miracles and the answers to prayer. And it builds your faith during times of challenge. Amen? I'm going to tell you right now, I feel like throwing down the mic and running around the church 50 times because God answered my prayer last week. God healed my daughter. I thank God for that. See, I've got to write it down. I've got to write it down. Then I can speak a word of encouragement to somebody else. Then when I'm going through a trial, I can remember, you know what? All I need to do is get back down to business with God, get things right with God, ask Him to forgive me, ask Him to cleanse me, ask Him to forgive me for prayerlessness, ask Him to forgive me for my carnality, ask Him to get me back on the right path again and back tuned into His Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. And so maybe you want to try writing out your prayers. Maybe once a week write out what you're saying just so that you're and the whole reason behind this is to get serious with it and to get sincere and to get heartfelt rather than just saying, okay, I'm going to take 20 minutes and I'm going to talk. I'm going to make noise, and hopefully God honors that. No, God wants you to get open and, and heartfelt. Because what, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to build a relationship with you. <laughs> what kind of relationship would I have with my wife if I said, okay, here's your 20 minutes, honey. I'm just going to talk during this time. Now, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about other things, but... Know that, I'm, know that I love you because I'm giving you this 20 minutes here now. Oh, baby, you're so sweet. I love you. I love you. I love you. And um, Man, you're so nice. You're so tremendous. Thou art the wonderful one that I love. And thou keepest me beside still waters. I love you more than you will ever know. And, uh, that's not going to work because there's got to be it's got to be heartfelt. There's got to be back and forth. There's got to be opportunity to him to talk to you and lay impressions on your spirit. Amen. But above all, above all, above all of this, praying from the heart, meaning what, get away from distract, reflect. All this is awesome. This is good teaching now. But it doesn't do you any good if you don't pray. We can talk about it. We can read about it. We can write about it. But more importantly, what we need to do is we need to pray. Put the book away. Come on now. Put whatever you're thinking about away. Tell the preacher to shut up for a little while so I can go do what you're telling me to do. It's time to take the Nike slogan and make it real. Just do it. Just pray. Amen. Stop reading about it. Stop thinking about it. Stop putting yourself on a guilt trip because you need to do more of it. And just pray and live moment by moment. Praise the Lord. Moment by moment in God's presence. That's all that we're going to talk about tonight. I've got more, uh, but we can do this later. I want to talk about a pattern for prayer. Just like uh, when you exercise, you go in, you need to get an exercise regimen because otherwise you might get off balance. Anybody ever seen one of those guys before that huge weightlifter, upper chest, shoulders, and arms? Behemoth. But you put them on a, on a treadmill and they're like, after 20 seconds, they're like, or the guy that's <laughs> out running around the track and run around for. 45 minutes, man, nonstop. He comes in, there's no sweat, no sweat. Man, the 
I'm in, I'm in great shape. But if you look at his upper body, like you can tell that uh, he has to get his wife to help him to scoot the chair over and stuff as he has no upper body strength. Well, spiritually, we've got to get balanced. And so next time we meet together in Bible study, we're going to talk about creating a pattern for prayer. But here's what we're going to do this week. This week it's time to pray. It's time to pray. We've got some uh, an opportunity here at the church from 7 to 9. Come by and spend some time in prayer. Or at your home if you need to get up a little earlier. Or if you're more alert at night after you get the kids in bed, get the kids in bed, turn off whatever you're watching. Go spend some time with the Lord Jesus Christ. I promise you, you'll feel better. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Thank you. Sorry we went over a little bit. Hallelujah. But let's ask God to help us right now. Jesus, we want to be a church that's prayed up. We want to be a church that's on fire. We want to be a church that's anointed, Lord.